Welcome to Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. Uh, you're in for a real treat. As you can see, we're just one big happy family. <laughs> okay, the director's ready. Talent's ready. Cue the opening. W Radio. Your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show. Your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 652, and together we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more here on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook, community, books, audio tours, blog, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and find everything else at www.radio.com. So as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, this week we're going to look at its past, present, and future by exploring its history and what we remember, miss, and love, by looking at what's new and what we're enjoying most right now, and what we're most excited for and even predict for its future. I'll then have our Disney trivia question of the week and more updates at the end of the show, including some special live broadcasts I'll be bringing to you this end in the coming weeks. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Come and remember the magic. With Walt Disney World celebrating 50 years of magic, memories, meals, and more, I know that we all share fond, sentimental, wonderful, and often delicious memories of our times in the park. And in fact, while our overall experience may be similar, our individual memories and subjective sentiments are often very personal and very meaningful. While we celebrate our nostalgia and overall nerdy love of the parks over the past five decades, Like Walt Disney said, times and conditions change so rapidly that we must keep our aim constantly focused on the future. So this week, I want to look at not just the past 50 years and what they've given us, but what we have now and what might just be ahead. And because our memories and feelings and opinions about Disney are all very different and unique, I wanted to bring you a roundtable discussion of which you are a part of, because you're going to be able to share your voicemails and our discussions in the clubhouse on Facebook. More on that later. So I invited a group of Disney scholars, geeks, experts, fans, friends, authors, creators, and enthusiasts to join me on this week's show. Unfortunately, none of them showed up. So I instead bring to you, actually back to you, uh, friends, fans, and experts who actually do fit the bill above. I want to first welcome back Connor Brown, from the WDW Opinion website and podcast. Happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. It is always good to see, once again, Jeremiah Good from LaughingPlace.com. Greetings and salutations. And finally, a Disney princess who's still fuming that she didn't get a segment of her own in Enchantment 
Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Wouldn't that have been awesome if I got my own sick? Can, can we do a writing thing for that? Because that would be awesome for the next one. I would, you know what? I'm going to post in the clubhouse, what would Becky Mankin's oh, no. segment look like in Enchantment? We're going to let you, you know what? Maybe I'll have a contest and I'll like, you can play Imagineer for the day and I'll give you some special 50th anniversary merchandise. I have to remember to, to actually do this. There's a tear in it. Bring it on. Imagine There's, the artwork that you could have and how wow, great yeah. that would look. They could they could mock it up on the castle. Oh, right. Get creative. Get Moving creative. On. Moving on. <laughs> so, you know, in, in thinking about the 50th and sort of anticipating what was to come and, and how we were going to cover it, there's so much that we can talk about. And I thought it would be fun and hopefully interesting to combine our discussion into looking at Walt Disney World from not just a historical perspective, but also, you know, any personal memories or milestone events, as well as what's new now and what may be next for what we think might be ahead. And to avoid what could be a 50-hour show in honor of 50 years, if you've listened before, you know it's actually possible, I wanted to approach it this way, by looking at the past, the present, and the future, not in a single rambling list of potentially 50 items, but instead five things we remember or miss or appreciate or moments or memories and milestones, five things in the present that we're enjoying right now, including what's new, maybe even for the 50th anniversary, and in the future, five things we're excited for, we anticipate, or get your little Nostradamus hat on and maybe predict for the future. And we could all share and discuss what we have on our lists, and then I'll ask you, our friend, the listener, who's sitting outside with us on a glorious day here in Disney Springs, by the way, to share yours as part of this conversation in the Facebook group as well. So uh, we are going to start in the past, and as we celebrate 50 years, we will go around the horn. Gentlemen, I still believe in ladies first. So, Becky Menken, when you think about the, fa- the past five years, if we're going to look at five things that we want to sort of touch on or reminisce about, or things that you think are of paramount importance over the past five decades in Walt Disney World, what was the one or first thing that came to mind or most important for you? That's a really loaded question because there's a lot of different memories that I've had here, but I haven't been here for 50 years. Uh, My first visit here was in 1996, so I'm a relative newcomer to Walt Disney World. So one of the first things that that came to mind that I miss... um, Kind of two things tied together because my brain immediately went to Epcot because that's one of the, uh, the places that a lot of my memories have have come from. And two of the things that came together were the lights of winter because Christmas in Epcot is an amazing experience. And lights of winter combined with the illuminations, but not illuminations, but the Christmas tag illuminations. By the way, way too soon. I, I know, but I had to bring that up because it really is one of the most fond memories that I have um, of Walt Disney World is Christmas time here. And I remember standing in the lights of winter and listening to the music and watching the, the dancing lights all around me. And it really was a great experience for Christmas time here. That, and I always look forward to that Christmas tag. Illuminations I loved. Um, however, it, it was time. It was ready to move on to something new. But I'll never forget the Christmas tag and the um, the impact it had on me. When you get the, that very end and all the pyros going off and you can actually feel it in your chest. 
I hope we see something like that again. There's probably a lot of people screaming right now about your your feelings about illuminations because for some it is still relatively too soon. When she said lights of winter, you both nodded in agreement. Absolutely. I I my first visit um, was in '96, so I got a chance to experience lights of winter, and that it, for the holiday season, I don't think that there's anything really that. Yes, the Osborne lights were amazing, but the lights of winter had had an emotional touch, I feel. Like, just looking down the walkway towards Spaceship Earth and seeing those. I, I know, to this day, um, Doobie, w- the, one of the founders of Laughing Place, still says that that is the greatest tragedy on the Earth, is removing the lights of winter. And I know a lot of us who are here and sort of just, this is what we do, when they went away, we're like, oh, that's because they've got energy-efficient LEDs coming or there's going to be something that's next and, and we're still sort of waiting. And if you've never seen Lights of Winter and have no idea what we're talking about, Lights of Winter was basically this this beautiful arched canopy that covered the walkway in between Future World. Sorry, we're gonna, we'll get to what Future World is now called. In between the, the old Future World, the ancient Future World and World Showcase that were, it wasn't like... The Osborne lights, where it was this incredible show-stopping dance thing. It was just this beautiful, I don't want to say classic sort of um, visual archway that I think you're right, just sort of embodies sort of the spirit of the, of the season, even beyond just all the holiday treats and storytellers. You know, it's interesting. I think all three of us, not Lou, obviously, our first trip was in 1996. Wow. I'll put this nicely. I was a little younger than <laughs> my fellow guests here today. Um, to I, I'm just trying to be factual. Um, In womb does not count. Just uh, uh-oh. Uh, so when when I hear, you know, lights of winter and, and things like that, I know that from a historical perspective, but I don't necessarily know it from a remembering it, of, a, of an experiencing it sort of thing. Um, when it comes to something like that, for me, the holidays, it's Osborne family lights. That was the thing for me. And, you know, I might run, run a site called WDW Opinion. I know everyone has opinions and stuff. There was only one opinion you could have about Osborne, and that was it was incredible. Yeah. I, it, as far as Disney is concerned, when you walk into a park, you're supposed to be awestruck, right? You're supposed to be stunned. And that always did it for me. And I also know, you know, as a my college program when I worked down here, um, it was the last year of Osborne at Hollywood Studios and I got to go as a cast member preview and I'll always hold that memory very, very near and dear to my heart. So when it comes to the holidays, that is the thing that I will always, always miss and I think it was done so well and Disney saw this opportunity and totally capitalized on it. Um, since you brought that up, that is another one that's on the list because Osborne Lights was one of the things you looked forward to. That was one of the things that hit me so emotionally that that became the thing I needed to do as an event every single year. I would buy it out so 150 people could be on the streets for 30 minutes and do cartwheels up and down the street to celebrate being with each other and being you know, part of, of this wonderful Disney community that we have and with your families. I mean, it's, again, another thing to share during the holiday season, which... Disney is surrounded around the holiday season for me. And when it went away, 
I was really hoping they would find another way to bring that back. Sorry to jump in to kind of give a little bit of promotion to another thing. Um, give Kids the World kind of inherited their lights. And during the pandemic with all of with the restrictions, they took the chance to it's a million lights. Isn't that the title? Um, and when I got a chance to walk that last year, it was just it, it brought back the feels of Osborne and knowing the story of Give Kids the World, that was just another layer to bringing those lights to deeper into your heart. And it, I think Osborne, I think even more so than Lights of Winter and Epcot, had an emotional component to it yeah. because it was amazing to see, you know, the streets all lit up. But when it darkened and the music came on, and I'm sure we all had individual tracks that we loved, there was something that, that very much hit you in all the fields, and if you were maybe, whether it was at one of the parties, we would lay down under the canopy and sort of watch that Fremont light, Fremont Street like it like experience. But I think you're right. What I went to give Kids a World last year to see it, and there's a, a much more deeper, significant, real emotional aspect that comes with it, and hopefully it comes back this year. If you've never been to give Kids a World, go during the holidays. Yeah, and even if you even if it's not during the holidays. Go and volunteer there one day. Um, it is a life-changing experience. And I actually had, believe it or not, I had on my list, because now this is great because I could see the one in. Um, 1982 was the very first year that um, Make-A-Wish granted the first wish to Walt Disney World. And since then, there's been like 200,000 or so wow. wishes. It is like the number one thing. And I have to sort of, it's not even a plug because it's a good thing. Because of you, 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 all of you, you, listener, the Dream Team Project um, has raised more than half a million dollars for Make-A-Wish to help send some of those kids to Walt Disney World. Now I'm going to start crying. Um, but it is. Um, so all of that is, is significant, and I love how you sort of brought it around full circle. Um, all right, so what's, what's on, what else is on your list? Yeah, I know. I'm like, wait, how am I supposed to go? Yeah, now uh, talk about your favorite churro. and just, Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, much like Becky said, my first thoughts were to go to Epcot. I mean, I, I have many things that grew out of the idea of Epcot and those, but um, one of my one of the things that I miss the most is the original Journey into Imagination. Um, when I first came, it was that was you know i knew who figment was but i'd never experienced the dream finder i'd never gotten a chance to go on the attraction because from california it was all just you know we are the mecca is walt disney world uh and, and actually as we sit here and record it we are just about 23 years from the closure and i was here 23 years ago with one of my very good friends and we got to ride journey into imagination the last week it was open so to me that that attraction is you know a lot of people are like oh well it, it wasn't epcot no that was that was the epcot for so many people not the oh great we have to learn about plants or fish it was <laughs> an amazing sherman brothers song it was amazing characters and and it would just to this day, I, I have a hard time writing the, the current version just because I think back and I, I know I'm being that person, but it's not the original. But, you know, hopefully sometime in the future we'll get a little bit more figment. It was the heart of Epcot. Yeah. 
It was, and, and I think for a long time. Listen, if you like the first version, the second iteration was even better. Ooh, yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, was that the one before the stars with Figment or after the stars with <laughs> Listen, if you want to make an attraction, well, listen. I used to show, very quickly, personal story. I used to show my son was very little DVDs of the original ride through, and I had a DVD that had all three versions. Mm. And even at five, he's like, this is awful. Like, <laughs> can you rewind? Can you fast forward? Um, but it isn't. And I think, to your point, I think going forward, and I think we're starting to see this because of how prevalent he is, especially during uh, festivals and other times of year, I think we're going to see Figment again sort of formally being reintroduced as the mascot for that park because I think he needs to be. And I will dare I say, dare, dare, I think we're going to see the return of Dreamfinder. Not, not in his long purple coat and top hat, but I think maybe a version that's a little bit closer to the comic book version that we saw yeah. in the Marvel comic. Buff Dreamfinder, hot Dreamfinder, as I like to refer to him. <laughs> well, as. now you're yeah. making it weird. Well, he's ripped in those comics, yeah. that's for sure. Wow. You read and I a very different comic than I did. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, that might be true. We, I mentioned it a little bit before. My connection to old school Epcot is 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 different. I um, was too young to to remember Horizons and and even World of Motion. But the thing that is a quote unquote old school Epcot that I'm most connected to isn't really old school because it did take over for something. But it might seem strange. But what I miss is I miss Food Rocks. Really? I really wow. miss Food Rocks. I'm the guy. It's such an odd one, but I just remember vivid memories as a kid sitting there, and I was just blown away by these animatronics. I, I don't know why I was. I don't know if it was the melodic voice of Tone Loke as FUD rapper. I think we are all pretty impressed by him. Uh, please, please, please do an impression of any one of those acts. A wild thing. Was that good? No. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the Peach Boys, the Refrigerator Police. I didn't understand any of it when I was a kid. Now it all makes perfect sense to me. Now it doesn't at all. And I know it replaced Kitchen Cabaret. And I know that was the original. That was that was the thing everyone truly, truly loved. But for me, that's my connection to the prior years of Epcot. And for whatever reason, and I think memories work so interestingly in in our minds i have vivid things of it still locked in there i i can see fud rapper for whatever reason i can see our family waiting in line and i knew that that was so unique to epcot and you couldn't really find anything like that for as weird and as you know unpopular or whatever it was food rocks was it for me there's only one veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit, fruit sir, and that is yeah, not yeah. veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. <laughs> Becky's like, what is he even talking about? I, I have no... I've, I've you have no... So, not to diminish that, um, I was in that maybe too old range when Food Rocks come, came out. It was definitely a fun show, um, but I, I completely agree how that there are so many vivid memories of that show. And Lou with his veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. I think the only reason that people remember Kitchen Cabaret is because of veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. And sticking, you know, Mr. Egg on the Easter parade for a few years. Um, and that's one of the, the memories, you know, 
Kitchen Cabaret was one of the first attractions to be replaced in the Epcot transformation when they were doing it every couple of decades or so. So I think a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be like, what is Kitchen Cabaret? Mm-hmm. But it, it was... I, I never got to see the full show. I did see Food Rocks, which was a fun show. I, I won't I won't ever say it wasn't anything fun, but it was if you walked in there today, it'd be very much like going on E. T. at Universal where you're like, What were they thinking? <laughs> Nightmare fuel is what you're saying. <laughs> And if you want to sort of just clear your head, just go see the Astuter Computer Review, and you'll see, my friend, the computer makes life easier. I am both shocked and amazed and incredibly grateful, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get a go little again. teary-eyed again. I'm shocked that none of you went to where I'm going, which was clearly the first thing on my list, which was tonight, 1993, in the magical world of Barbie, where... <laughs> What? Did you did you actually see that show? Really? I am still in therapy because of the magical. Did you, the pink limo? No. I, I I am I know about it. I did not see it again. Age thing, but uh, Halloween is coming. Just watch the videos. Oh yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. I've seen videos. Uh, I don't recommend it. Uh, I don't know how it got approved, but uh, I'm glad we brought it up here today. It's a very important historical moment in the last 50 years. Thank you? Yeah. I think? Yeah. She had a sweet limo. I mean, that was a pretty, that was a nice ride. I've only seen, because they did put out a VHS of that show. Um, and I've seen bad versions of it, of copies of copies of copies, because I'm pretty sure What's much like, well, much like the E.T., Atari game, they found a, a hole in the ground and buried all those videos as deeply as possible. And the toys, like you were actually able to buy like special. You look so intrigued, Connor. World These show, spe- World Showcase Barbie. World Showcase Barbie, and they had she like a pink car, and yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that I have three of them at home, hermetically sealed, to pay for my kids' college tuition. But uh, okay, uh, obviously I'm I'm incredibly. But it's so interesting that all of you went right to Epcot first, and and as. When I said past, present, and future, I had no idea what I was talking about, much like I do now. <laughs> but I didn't even know what I meant. But the first thing that came to mind was going back to Walt and talking about the, the film outlining the plans for the Florida Project. And more importantly, when he introduced Epcot being the heart of everything that we're going to be doing in Walt Disney World and, and the importance of it to Walt, whose name I promise you is going to come up many, many times today, but even as a kid, the first time I saw it, I remember telling my dad, like, the first time we went, like, I love this park. Like, I just, I felt as I was, is, am a tech nerd. That audio out of my truck. Birds aren't real.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that the, um, the, the technology and the futurism and all of the interactive things about it. Um, but you know what? I, I will, in, in the interest of sort of making this as... as relatively objective. I think one thing that gets lost, but I think it's really important, I want to sort of give credit. Everything here happens as a result of being a team. But going back to the mid to early 90s, George Calagridis, um, who was president of, of Walt Disney World for, for a number of years, had this idea for a food and wine festival in Walt Disney World. It started off as a, a very, very small Wine Festival um, officially kicked off in 1996. It was 30 days. 
where now I think the Food and Wine Festival is 412 yeah. days. Right, it just sort of recycles, yeah, yeah. right? Um, I mean, Epcot is, and this is not a bad thing, but Epcot sort of is the festival park with all of the different festivals. You don't have to worry about missing one because chances are when you come, one is going to overlap with uh, another. And I think it's important because it is such, it has become such an integral part of the overall Epcot experience and it's not necessarily attached to an, an attraction or anything like that. It's something that not only people can do together, but I think also attracts a lot of people that might not necessarily have come to this park or spent a lot of time and money in the park as well. So um, I, I owe... I you I owe you a lot, George Calagridis, as I look at my oh so very pear shaped <laughs> Ewok little body that I have. I'm pretty sure you've paid him back with all the food you <laughs> eat over the years. So, all right. So, um, I know I said five, but sort of very quickly. Any what else sort of was on your list from the past? Just as you said, because five always means thirty. So right. So just as you said, when you said past, I wasn't exactly sure what you meant either. So I took it as what I personally missed and or attached to this no longer there in the time that I visited Disney World. So one of the things, how about this for a big, huge, overarching, any nighttime parade, mm. I would take Spectral Magic back, I'll take Main Street Electrical Parade back, but any, what is the snow stuff? If you could bring back one, you have to choose Ooh, right now. Oh, oh. Uh, 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 I'd love to see Paint the Night in Walt Disney World. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I mean, you won't, but... I know, but something to maybe look forward to. I just skipped ahead on you. But um, that's something that I've really enjoyed about Disney in general is the nighttime parades. And not to have one, especially right now, it seems like it's a missing piece of the puzzle. But I remember standing out there the first couple of times that I, I visited um, Magic Kingdom and watch the nighttime parade and it was that just magical uplifting feeling that you should have when you walk into the magic kingdom so i, I completely agree with you I, I do want to sort of know which parade you wish you could have back so we are just literally hours after the october 1st celebration and we all i think talked about what are they going to do and we, we were sort of questioning like why wasn't anything announced i said listen if disney wants to blow people's minds you don't announce anything. All you do is at 8 o'clock, you turn down the lights in Magic Kingdom, and you roll out that Main Street mm, Electrical yeah, Parade. And the just, I mean, it obviously didn't happen, but that would have been the coolest thing because that's the parade that I have memories of as a kid. And just very quick, personal aside, I'm very grateful and bl blessed for being able to do what I do. One of my coolest overall memories ever was being able to go backstage into the parade barn when they were bringing the parade back. And I actually got to sit in and spin around in one of the little floats. It is the cool. I'll have to post. I'll post the video in the uh, in the show notes. But just from a a nerdy fan perspective, is one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, for a nighttime parade, Spectre Magic. Uh, as a California boy, the Main Street Electric Parade has blown away what fifteen times on me. Um, I I there. Very few things that I feel burnt by Disney, but the first time the Main Street Electrical Parade blew away, I cried. I made plans to be there on that first final night, and then they decided that they sold so much merchandise to extend it another three months. Um, and then it came back in DCA. It came back at Walt Disney World. It came back to Disneyland. I'm not saying that I don't get teary-eyed every time I hear the opening announcement, but if the Main Street Electrical Parade were to 
be sunk at the bottom of Lake Buena Vista. <laughs> I wouldn't complain, but Spectrum That's a little harsh. That's a little hard. I know, and I, I'm sure that you'll get a lot of feedback. Going, Don't never have Jeremiah on again. Uh, but Spectrum Magic was such a unique thing to Walt Disney World because it was the only park that had that. And the floats were amazing. And the music still, I'd rather put on Spectrum Magic than most other nighttime celebrations, fireworks, parades. Yeah, it, it's just because it had so much fun to it. And it wasn't, it, it was music and characters, especially if you go back to the original with Roger Rabbit on there and everything and just how much fun it is and to hear the voices. But, you know, I, I do love Main Street Electrical Parade. I I will definitely go if it does show up at Disneyland or someplace else in the future. But Spectrum Magic for me was always the best. Even with those like weird guys with the yes, illuminated the faces. people, yes. On, I, I can remember those. And, you know, to this day, I, I have to console friends that like I still have to go to therapy for those. <laughs> it's Spectro Magic for me as well. However, I do, you have ingrained in your head, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Main Street Electrical Parade in the techno voice and everything like that. I think what's so cool about all those parades, though, is you know, you can you can see a parade in your, your local hometown, but Disney does the best parade. You can see a, a 4th of July fireworks show in your local hometown, but Disney does the best fireworks. You can't see a nighttime parade anywhere. You can't see a parade covered in millions of lights anywhere. And because they're already doing the best parades and they're doing that, that you're never going to see anywhere else, that's why I think all those nighttime parades are so important to the history of Disney and hopefully important to the future of Disney as well. I know that I I can't be on a show and we talk about nighttime parades. I know this isn't Walt Disney World, but light magic. That's that's all I'm going to say. And, and while Becky's going, paint the night. Paint the night. Paint the night is pretty special, too. Paint the night's awesome. I, I would love to see a version of that or some sort of a version of that here because it really does draw you in. Where sometimes, you know, after you've seen... Main Street Electrical Parade a few times. That's the time that you go stand in line in the in the standby queues. But especially for us from the California side of things, because we did see it over and over and over again. But um, I would really like to see a nighttime parade back. I really do. No, uh, light magic for me. If I mean that's those are curse words to Disney fans. <laughs> uh, I was that was to me the right age. I saw the electric parade blow away it came i was at the annual pass holder night where paul pressler made the mistake of going this is a dress rehearsal and seeing every single annual pass holder start at guest relations and line up down main street to complain but it was that was the first streetacular show it, it if you you trace back things to light magic and you'll see how a parade that lasted three months has affected parades and shows for the future. What else is, is on your list from the past? Um, do you want me to list off really quickly or do you want me to go detail? How long do we want this? You got a minute and a half. I'm, well, I mean, a little bit more. <laughs> but. Um, well, I did one for each of the parks because we had Journey to Imagination. For Magic Kingdom, to me, uh, something that really Disneyland stands out in this facet is water transportation along the rivers of America. I was out here just in time to ride on the Mike Fink keelboats one last time 
And to me, those were the most fun because it was Jungle Cruise without animals. They could have the fun. And then I never got a chance to see the canoes. But, you know, when Magic Kingdom opened, they had, well, after they opened, they had two paddle wheelers. Now it's down to one. They have that and the rafts of Tom Sawyer Island. You know, canoes, the dock is was a smoking section for years. Now it's a go and relax section. The Mike Fink keelboat, that area is now part of the queue for Haunted Mansion when it's extended. It was always, you know, Walt talked about Disneyland, how he loves seeing all the river traffic. And at Magic Kingdom, it's kind of like, okay, here comes the, the Liberty Bell. And there goes the Liberty Bell. And then maybe a raft. Um, so that's for Magic Kingdom. For Very quickly, I agree a thousand percent. Yeah. The little gully wumper and the birth of May and the, yeah. the, the little canoes going. You're right, there was this... Not just a wonderful kinetic element to it, but there was something simple and beautiful and quaint about the the traffic on the rivers. Yeah. I mean, um, my mom always talks about she did the what was called the Magic Kingdom College program before it was the Walt Disney World College program in the 80s. And she worked on uh, the Star Jets, now the Astro Orbiter, and then the People Mover, now the TTA People Mover. And uh, she always talks about the canoes as well and how the cast members, it's still in Disneyland, you know, they'd have the canoe races. And that was such a big part of being a cast member in Magic Kingdom as much as it was, you know, getting to experience it as an attraction, as a guest. So... Jeremiah's friend who's sitting next to you quietly is having like these these flashbacks of his first day getting hired at Disneyland and being assigned to the canoes. He's like, I don't even know how to swim. So. Um, yeah, the, the canoes, um, I and they actually still do the canoe races out here for cast members, and it's for the entire Walt Disney World. So you often see the um, lifeguards that are the, uh, you know, the, the buff Dreamfinders um, <laughs> winning each year. But, you know, going to Disney's Hollywood Studios, I, I miss the animation tour. That I cannot go a day without quoting Robin Williams and Walter Cronkite in that animation tour. It, it wasn't, you know, when it first opened, it was part of a two and a half hour tour of the Disney MGM studio, the back lot, the animation. When I made it out here, they kind of condensed it. And just the animation part where you'd go and you'd actually see animators on the other side of the fishbowl doing Mulan and the movies that are produced out here. But that that video of Walter Cronkite and Robin Williams going back to Neverland and Robin Williams, you know, anything he does is amazing, but the heart that he put in it and you could just see Walter Cronkite trying not to laugh. Um, I mean, one of my favorite quotes is when Tinkerbell comes out and this is what I say whenever I'm near Lou Mangello, it's, it's like being in the presence of Barbara Streisand. Uh, but that, that to me is, was one of the, <laughs> please please make that a thing please uh that was so unique and coming from a studio universal studios where you know we didn't have an animation segment that was something special disney's animal kingdom that this one is something that isn't normal to a lot of people but there was a trail in the back by the um by the Kilimanjaro Safari in Africa that you would walk over the waterfalls that Joe Rohde put in purposely so guests could explore the park. Um, sadly, as with most things, we humans ruin things, so they had to stop, start blocking that off because people would explore it or get lost or not 
emerge for a few hours. But there are small touches. Um, the the Gorilla Falls trail had a dead, I think it was a deer up in the tree. And you could look and you would see footprints of the deer or the buck and uh mountain lion i apologize i'm not good with my animals right now but you could see their footprints leading up to the tree as they were chasing each other and the the carcass was up on the tree branch so it was about the circle of life it was about real not just you know not just mickey and minnie in their safari costumes being cute um but that was something that to me that when I finally got a chance to meet Joe Rohde, I talked to him at length about that. And he goes, thank you, because that was something that we didn't put in. We didn't put on the maps for people to see. It was more about exploring and finding. And again, parks at one point didn't have fences around every nook and cranny. You could explore more. So I think that was that was something very special to me. And my last, as we sit within feet of the carcass of the Adventurers Club and Pleasure Island, um, I the Adventurers Club to me was a place that I fit in. I and now I'm going to start to cry a little bit. Uh, I came out again with my friend Patrick, the invisible person next to me. Uh, we, we've come out many times to Florida, and I was out here for the final night of the club for the two nights and the final night of Pleasure Island. Um, my life would not be what it is today if not for Pleasure Island and the Adventures Club. The person I live with and I consider a brother, I met him there. He was one of the actors, and when I had a hard time in my life, he's like, if you need to come out, we have room for you, and that's how I ended up in Florida almost nine or eight years ago now so yes so touching moment there we go um but yes the pleasure island overall just just something to get back on track nightlife uh something that you could do after the park closed at eight something that it wasn't go back to your hotel hopefully you could make it before they close the food service (laughs) um yes disney springs has some great aspects but it's restaurants and i know lou could live on restaurants alone but for a lot of us, it was the parks closed. You came to Pleasure Island. You you enjoyed eight tracks. You enjoyed, you know, the Rock and Roll Beach Club, the Adventures Club, BET Soundstage, the Comedy Warehouse. It was, mannequins. <laughs> I, it, mannequins with the spinning dance floor. Always yeah. a great idea around a lot of drinking. Uh, but it was, the yes, the bubbles. The bubbles. It, it was just so nice to have some place to go to enjoy the nightlife. Um, I mean, I understand why Disney moved away from that to become more family friendly, but I still look at it today, living here going, I would kill for something to go do in the evening after the parks close. You know, I used to, my, my first day would arrive on a red eye in the morning. I would, the red eye would be overnight in the morning. No, don't start Lou. Um, (laughs) do a park all day, go to Epcot, do illuminations, reflections of earth, walk out, get in a taxi because at that time we didn't have Ubers. It cost me $3 to take a taxi from the Epcot parking lot to the drop off at pleasure Island. I'd walk into the adventures club and I'd stay there till one thirty till they're like, okay, get out now. And I don't even drink. I've never had to drink of alcohol, but pleasure Island and adventures club was my home. One of our, 
best events was two nights before, right, two nights before it closed. We rent out Adventures Club in what was still to this day a very memorable uh, experience. By the way, the name's Robin, but you can call me Chuck. Oh, God, I love you so much. <laughs> I, looked in, I, I, I looked in your eyes. I'll edit, out, I'll edit that pause out. But I looked in your eyes. I'm like, come on, man, pay off. Adventures Club was on my list, not because it was something that I experienced, but because, you know, Jeremy, like you're saying, I felt like if that was here today, that's a place where I would fit in. I would belong for sure. And and not just what it stands for and, and all the creation, but the ties to, to see the, the creativity, the animatronics, the storytelling, all of it, the, the, the drinks even. I feel like I would just have been at home there as well. Um, but I also think about if they had that today, would it be as fun as back then? Yes. <laughs> it would be. It would be. It would be crowded. It yeah. would be everyone taking pictures, and 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 I get that. That's where we are today, and and that's great, and I think it brings a lot of people together. But if that were to open up right now, I think it would be a, a completely different sort of atmosphere than than when it was original. I think it would have to be yeah. different, but I I keep hoping every time something is about ready to announce, I keep hoping that they're going to bring that back somehow, some way, because it really was entertaining. It was show. It was story. It was everything that, that Disney's so well known for. And if they could just find a way to, to make the ROI on it work, which is the reason why we lost it in the beginning, I think it would be fantastic to bring those characters back and bring that story back and, and the, um, uh, the improv comedy, which I appreciate so much. I would love to see that again. And it has such a, a special meaning because that was our very first event we ever did together between MEI and WDW Radio. So I will jump ahead to future prediction because I think that you will, not Adventures Club per se, I think that you will see that type of experience because I think what we are looking for as guests is something, we always want something more, right? We always want something more. And then I think that we'll talk about the interactivity aspect of it, but I think it can come back not in the same way. And I mean this affectionately, but people like Jeremiah killed the Adventures Club because you would go and you'd sit there for six hours and you'd have a water because it was, there was no way to monetize because there was no food. There was no, there was no food. There was no, um, there was no merchandise, unfortunately, other than the plastic cup, which I still have. So, the locals and the fans and the cast members off, you know, who, who were not on, who sat there for hours because it was the place that they called home. Unfortunately, you know, it's expensive to run something where you have actors and performers and musicians. No, I absolutely agree. And um, as I said, my my roommate was one of the actors. I'm not going to say anything more. Um, and he one of the things that we we're just talking about, about it coming back it could never come back as it was. It wasn't politically correct then. They had vast freedom. I, I can remember <laughs> sitting in there. Um, one of my favorite memories is this woman who may have had few too many, many congolutions um, was standing up along the zebra mezzanine in a skirt yelling down at the actors like, Blah, 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 blah. And one of them looked up and goes, you realize that you're wearing a short skirt and we can have an angle. And, and she just got so embarrassed and walked out. 
And, you know, in I, I don't want to get into the cancel culture, that type of stuff, but we could not do those type of things now. And yes, but I would go in and I'd always buy a cherry Coke. Yeah, it was always my thing. And, you know, yes, they'd be like, oh, no, you get one refill. I always made a point to keep it going and paying because that was the reason why Adventures Club and Pleasure Island closed. It turned into a locals area, and I bought my annual pass every year. I'd have an annual pass to Pleasure Island more than I'd have an annual pass to Walt Disney World because it was a fun place to go, and the annual passes were Sixty dollars, so you could have every night while you were here, right? For for anybody who's listening, who's like Disney World, nickel and dimes, all you used to have to pay mm-hmm. a separate admission fee yep. just to walk into what was then a, a very very different pleasure island. Could you imagine something like a I'm going to the future again, but something like a, a dinner club in that environment where you had one seating of people? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think I I I foresee something where there'll be three seatings a night, and there'll be a hard stop at a certain time so you can go five to seven seven to nine nine whatever it might be even an hour and a half you know type of of seating and have because that's what let's go way way back like where the tomorrowland terrace i'm still going to call it the noodle station currently sits that was supposed to be an explorers club where they were going to have galileo and have you never listened to WWE ever (laughs) good lord get this woman a trivia book would you please (laughs) it was going to be an explorers club and they were going to have live actors walking around, but the problem was going to be you're going to have people like me, Connor, and Jeremiah sitting there for six hours at a time just taking it all in, and you can't turn tables that way. So, Yeah, I, I can recall seeing those plans and thinking that was one of the most amazing things possible. But just like you said, and we've seen, I, I mean, I work for a local dinner show here that we have one show. We get them in, get them out. But I've seen dinner shows that work more with the buffet, um, and they can't... No, hoop de do. I mean, hoop de do does two... That's why I won't do two shows a night. I won't do it. What movie? What movie? But why are you looking at me? Come on. Has nobody seen Beetlejuice? Thank you. Good Lord. I only quote, like, three movies. (laughs) Um, And by the way, just as a little sort of asterisk, I believe that there is prime opportunity for this dinner show-like experience to possibly tie into a little thing that we like to call the SEA. And that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not saying anything yes. else. Please, please go back and watch, uh, listen to Lou Mangello's podcast about the SEA, all 15 of them. <laughs> Wasn't that like two hours long? I mean, it was a very thorough and complete look at the Connor. The SEA is long, a No, I know. It is. Don't you dare do that to me. It's a long, historical, you know, there's you know, a lot to cover. There's a lot of ground to cover. If they do that, I'm buying a ticket every single night for like a month straight because that, that would, would be my That would just, yeah. it would kill. Um, my one thing that I want to say, and, and again, I sort of was all over the place, and, and I want to be clear. In 50 years, there's a lot of things that we're not talking about. Individual attractions, cast members, events, special things that went on. But I'm actually going to take you back almost to the day, 30 years, to October 1st, 2001. Becky's like, what happened back then? Uh, I don't know if that's 30 years, but... Whatever. Yeah. 20 years, yeah, sorry. Right. 20 years. Math. Me, math good. <laughs> I, look, I haven't eaten in like 20 minutes, all right? Oh, Bear with me, man. Yikes. Patrick, like, our like, silent one is almost falling like, out of his chair laughing. Sorry, right it's like, listen, <laughs> let me get to the point. <laughs> the 100 Years of Magic celebration. 
that kicked off October 1st, 2001, 20 years ago, <laughs> was um, was something that, that honored Walt Disney. And I think, and, we'll, and this will actually help, I think, maybe segues into what's going on currently and what has been happening currently. I, I love the fact that this 100 Years of Magic celebration was not about an attraction, not about IP, but it really was about Walt himself. Um, it opened One Man's Dream, opened at that time, which I think for a lot of people was their first and only introduction to Walt Disney, the man, the human being, the dad, the businessman, all these other things. Um, I, for one, am somebody who wants to, I love Walt's presence in the park. I want to see more of Walt's presence in the park. And I thought that's what, um, 20 years ago, <laughs> that's what it did. But all of those, you know, year-long celebrations, obviously we have a pretty big one right now, but I kind of miss the ones that were, weren't were so much marketing, weren't so much come here, were more, you know, about the the year of a million dreams sort of things, you know, helping people out, making memories, things like that. I, I thought all of those for a good long while were, were really, really, really not only popular, but, but great ideas. I had year of a million dreams on my list. Because, yeah. Yeah. and I love, I have a love hate relationship with it because I never, nothing, not get, give me a pin, give uh, me a lend. I yeah. did, I, I went did. to the blah, 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 whatever. Oh, look, there's Lou Mangello. Run, run. Yeah. He's just going to talk about it on his podcast, and then we're going to get ambushed by these people. What I loved about that was the surprise and delight. And I know the, the reason why you may not like it, but I loved the ability to just make somebody's day. And it, it didn't have to be something big. It could be something small, a pin, a fast pass, anything. I, I think that that was one of the most brilliant campaigns that they've ever done that embodied so many different guests and gave benefits to so many different guests. And we're still walking around with those memories and talking about it today. More importantly, it empowered the cast members yeah. yes. to do what cast members do, which yeah. is make people happy. And yes, they had things at, you know, at 4.07 p.m., row two, seat three of Kilimanjaro Safari. But there were also, and I'm still friends with some of the members of the Dream Squad. Throw me a pen, man. It's been seven, 14 that years. Been, right. But but I they're know. able to just go up and, and make magic for people. And that, I think, is is the perfect cast member role. Let's move. Are we out of the? Can we move from the past into the? Did I not? I just like to say, um, I miss Stitch's Great Escape. Uh, I'm kidding. That attraction sucked. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, uh, everyone was. was yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I uh, uh, I miss hating it. That's what I. That's what I. I miss hating it. I'm sorry. You said you miss. You said Great Escape. You meant Supersonic Celebration. You know what? Both yeah. of them. Um, I will say a relatively new one that we just recently lost, which I loved so much, the Disney Musties featuring Stacy. Um, it's yeah. transitioned. I will say on IMBD, that is a 9.3 out of 10. And it's not because I've created 24 separate accounts Shocker. and logged in. But those, you know, are two. I think when you, you would walk into your hotel room, very much always the beginning of the trip. You turn on the TV, that's the first thing you would see. And I think um, it, it was very special for a lot of people for, for many, many, many years. And had a couple iterations, but, I mean, it ran its course. But um, 
it was definitely uh, something I always look forward to. to and Stacy was everybody's friend. Yes. yes exactly. Yeah, she was. And if you're talking about things that you don't miss from the past, yeah. extraterrestrial is oh, mine. No. Yes. Oh. I mean, no. It licks the back of your head. It's It spits on you. This thing is going to Are we kill talking you. about Lou or the alien? <laughs> <laughs> the alien that I, I can't I, stand that. I can tell you that there there are very few things that my first visit that I was dying for, dying to get on. American Adventure, just because that is one of the most iconic attractions for Epcot. Uh, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, they just moved it into the Fear Every Drop version right. 5.0 or something. And the George Lucas presents the extraterrestrial <laughs> alien encounter. Um, as twisted human oh, being. I I am. I won't. I won't fight that. But it was such. It was the the attraction that you never thought you would see, and in sa- yeah, in the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> and sadly, it, it you know it turned into one of the worst punchlines, as Connor just pointed out, of Stitch's Great Escape. But it it was. I want to say it was almost. Walt like where he wanted to challenge the guests with new attractions and new adventures. I mean, I don't know if Walt ever would have had, you know, something licking the back of your neck, but it was the animatronic, the Sir was amazing. Skippy was by far Skippy was one of the best non IP plush next to Figment in Disney history. And now he's gone by way of the dodo but alien encounter was by far one of my favorite attractions and i'd love watching everybody just walking out of there screaming screaming that was my mom by the way just so you know i remember i literally remember the day we got off my dad and i were like that's awesome my mother's like i want to talk to a manager i'm kidding She she didn't say that but we we talked about this because it was such a non Walt Disney World like attraction, and the fact that they were pushing the envelope because and you can credit this to Michael Eisner who after the attraction soft open was like shut this down make it scarier because he realized that he was losing the thirteen to twenty four year old you know teenage boy who wanted something exciting to get your blood pumping was it for everybody absolutely not not everything is necessarily supposed to be. But I sort of love the fact that they pushed the envelope, especially in a place like Magic Kingdom. So, but let's move from the past into the present. And I really want to hear about five-ish things that we're really enjoying most right now, including and or what's new, right? We just, you know, as we're celebrating, we're beginning to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, there have been the introduction of probably more than the average guest might realize there's a lot actually that was introduced even though we didn't get everything that we were supposed to because of the pandemic but what are the things that you are loving right now either in terms of what's brand new for the 50th anniversary or just in general you know 2021 oh to me um all right, I'm going to go with the first thing that I thought of, and this is probably going to be controversial. I can't wait to kind of hear everybody else's thoughts about this, and Lou may have to edit me. I'm not exactly sure. I adore Harmonious. 
I absolutely love it. There is a story. I've, I've watched the internet light itself on fire right afterwards. I think that people made a mistake of watching the stream. Because if you're watching a stream, you're getting what the director and or person that's filming it uh, is, is important to them, not what's necessarily important to you. And there is a story. Everyone's like, there's no story. It's just random stuff. No, there's a story. It's, it's drawn between it to unite all of the countries and by song, through song and through visual. And for me... The mixing of fire and water in such a, a harmonious way. Um, tech, the tech pieces behind how they're doing that. You're literally having jets of fire next to pyropots that are shooting off. And the two typically do not mix. So it's amazing to me that the show runs as well as it does. And the pyro is done just beautifully throughout the whole thing. I love the show. I, again, I love illuminations. I will always love illuminations, but aside of the, of the visual, which is a whole nother story, if it's going, what's going to look like in the daytime at night, that does bring the whole thing alive and ties beautifully to the message that they're trying to bring forth through the, through the music and so forth. But I also like that it's versatile because it does have screens and projections. What will they do on the holidays? What will they do at different times of the year that they could change that up and make it even more spectacular? I've, I, I like the way that they did um, design it to be seen from pretty much all the way around. However, it was definitely designed to be seen at center meaning you can see the the center of the stargate and it, it well, sorry it's gonna be stargate and tacos for me no matter what for the rest of time so but when you're looking at it it is designed to look at from center but if you do end up on one of the ends how it splits apart which i didn't even see how that was going to split into three different um uh lines it does look fantastic and I'm just really happy that they did the show, that it's come out the way it has, and I can't wait to see it again. I, you were nodding. I, I That was actually going to be my first thing, I, and I agree, the controversial, because I've had to... Crazy. My right. the After the show, I had so many people send me messages going, what's your honest opinion of it? My honest opinion is it's a good show. It's mm-hmm. it, it is a unique show. It is something... I go back to, again, going back in time to my first visit when the original Illuminations was going. And this is something that people don't... There were Illuminations before Reflections of Earth, and the original Illuminations was celebrating each of the countries through classical music of those countries. This is celebrating those countries through music from those countries, yes, from Disney Pixar films, but the singers are all from that region of the Earth, the... the, the score is done beautifully. Um, there is that Saludos Amigos part that, for me, threw me when I heard it. But it'll be something, again, when I first heard Illuminations Reflections of Earth. I was like, oh, this is beautiful. That show had a seven-minute point where everybody, if you watched, you just pull up your phone <laughs> yeah. and start looking. Um, but, no, it, Harmonious, I think, will be something that will go on. And you hit it on the head that what can happen for the holidays you know, what can happen when the next movie comes out or the next movie or the next movie, you know, they can turn it into something that is the only argument that it will accept of it is kind of phantasmic for Epcot, but it's not, it's not 
cartoony. It, well, it is cartoons, but it's based on the countries. It has the realism, the the it breathes life into the world showcase. I was thinking more along the lines of World of Color for Epcot mm-hmm. in a strange way because it does have a lot of those elements. Um, but as you said to your point, they can bring in a different country. They can bring in a different piece of music, much like they do with World of Color. So it is really versatile. And again, I'm just going to, coming from a pyro background, the way it's put together and that those two elements can dance together, I, I just think it's masterful. I think you guys are saying it exactly. There's never been a nighttime spectacular that has the kind of future potential that Harmonious has. Whatever it becomes, it might be different five years now, just with little tweaks here and there, because they're able to do that. I think of when wishes went away and when people lost their minds. They said nothing could ever top that. And then what did we get last week? You're taking away happily ever after? You're insane. Time will only tell with nighttime spectacular. So you have to see it again and again from different points of view. It goes beyond just an attraction where you're sitting in a car, it's the same here, it's the same there, it's the same everywhere. You have to experience it at different times. But for us Disney fans, I feel like you have to experience it at different times in your life too. Whether that's being there with friends, whether that's, you know, being there with your your kids or or your family. Um so that's what I'm looking forward to, seeing Harmonious, not just right now, you know, by myself, whatever, when it first starts, but years down the road with the other groups that I bring to introduce people to this. First things first, people have, first of all, if you want to make uh, Disney fans or lose their minds, tell them something is changing, Yeah, which I get because we have such deep personal emotional connections to these things we're all telling stories about things and we're all relating them back to something that's very very subjective to us and again you know the internet being what it is and it's it's the power and the beauty of the internet is that everybody's able to share their opinion but i get it because sometimes even the things that come out as frustration anger for some people a lot a certain percent, 13.8% of the people, it comes from a good place, right? It comes because they loved Illuminations. Right. They watched it with yeah. their dad. Yep. They miss it. You have to go into the show realizing it is not Illuminations, nor is it trying to be. I think, Becky, to your point, from a technical perspective, there's a lot happening, um, which you could only imagine just the design and the engineering that went into bringing those barges to life. And I know for a lot of people, those barges... They're tough for people to see during the day. No, I have no, no. They're not tough for people to see at all. Yeah. No, no. Well done. They have some personal difficulties with seeing them across. My feeling, as I do with everything, Disney or otherwise, is as this was going on and, and they were being built and people were calling them to your Becky the Stargate and the tacos. I said you have to wait. You have to wait and see because you can't sort of judge the house while it's being built. You have to wait until it's finished. Feeling that the nighttime payoff would be there for what was being done during the day and what it looks like during the day, because they are. There's these large, dark, you know, barges that for some people feel sort of really obscures their view. Uh, I've seen Harmonious twice, and admittedly, I need to see it again because I, there was something that I did not feel. And I'm not saying that I need to feel every time I see a show. I could just enjoy it for what 
it is. Like, I didn't cry at Spectro Magic. I didn't cry at, you know, paint, or maybe a little pain tonight. But <laughs> I'm a very emotional person. I cry when my food comes at Boathouse, so just whatever. I didn't get that feeling. I thought that there was a, there were some moments of sort of disharmony in Harmonious. There were elements, I think the Moana section, the Mulan section, I'm, I love the fact that they had Hunchback in there. I think they're spectacular. We've seen it from two different locations. I want to sort of see it again and again. Um, and I understand, look, there are different people feel that there are different elements missing, whether it is a cohesive storyline, whether it's um, the music. Some people feel the music is disjointed because there are different languages sort of being, you know, every other word is, is sometimes a different language. So for some people, it's it's there's disharmony for them. Um Every show can't be everything to all people, and everything can't be everybody's favorite, too. Right, and one of the things that I was, I was joking about, which would this make you more emotionally tied if all of a sudden you know it lights up and James Spader walks through, <laughs> or if if why Wakanda... would James Spader? Why would that make me emotional? Stargate. Well, why not? Because oh. it's an eighties. I thought Ultron. I was thinking Ultron. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> like, it's an eighties film. Okay, let's let's bring it more to your speed. It lights up and Wakanda people walk through it, and it becomes you know Wakanda. It's like either uh, say it lights up and food comes out. Then I would get emotional. Wow. <laughs> Black Panther walks through. I mean, that's there's all kinds of, of things that they can do with it, and I understand. I, I want to quickly. T- okay. No, it, it it doesn't have to. And one of the things I think that I loved about and so many people loved about Illuminations was and this is a separate topic for a separate day, is the lack of IP that yeah. was in there. I think some people wanted that, but we've seen as Epcot continues to evolve. Look, remember when the seas changed from the living seas to the seas with Nemo and friends? I think it's the first time that the internet sort of broke in, in a meaningful way because all of a sudden, how can you possibly bring IP into Epcot? Um, all the people that rode Maelstrom all day, all night, when it became frozen, you know, lost their collective marbles as well. Yeah, and, and it's turned out to be good moves for families. It's turned out to be good moves for the location because it is now a park where before people were thinking, I can't bring my kids there. There's nothing for my kids to do. It's it's only pretty much for the adults. Now it really is a family destination for those changes. And for us, we have our memories. I'm, I'm going to look at the three old people at the table, including myself. Um, <laughs> for us... We do have those memories of, of things that happened in the 80s and, and 90s. However, the kids of today, their memories are going to start with Frozen. Their memories are going to start with these new things that we, you know, the internet lights itself on fire about. But that's going to be the thing that they're emotional about and that they connect to. So it's just the next version of what Disney is, is telling, the story they're telling. Right, and you, you have to sort of sometimes forgive that maybe there's not Snow White and Pinocchio, and instead it's Onward and Coco and Raya and the Last Dragon and Chapman. I'm looking at you and sort of some of the other discussions that people are having because there is, look, every guest that walks into Walt Disney World is not an insert your age here. There is another generation that's coming up that these are the movies that they're these are the classic movies for them that they are growing up with. I mean, you know, I wanted the Goofy movie. I didn't get any <laughs> presence there. I would like, you know, Powerline to make an appearance. But I think the most important thing about this is that for a lot of people, Harmonious is going to be their Illuminations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. They're going to come at that time when Harmonious is it for them. 
and it becomes their illuminations, and, and that's okay. Is be exactly, with her daddy. Yep. and that's the first show that they're going to see for their first time visiting Walt Disney World, and that's going to be the memory that she carries forward. Is that emotional thing? Exactly. And then in 15 years, that daughter will complain about whatever changes happened then. Uh, You know, we we are definitely the, hey, you get off my illuminations barge. But it is something that, you know, and just like Becky and Connor both said, we need to accept as a human being that we age and things come after us and they, they have to enjoy things, not just the constant love of food wrapper. Could you imagine how boring Disney World would be if nothing had changed since the beginning? It's not a museum for for a reason. So No, yeah, that was that was a perfect segue into more Walt. That concludes part one of our look at the 50-year celebration of Walt Disney World. We looked at the past, some of the present. Next week, we'll talk more about some of the things that we are loving and enjoying here in the present, as well as what we're most excited for. And I'm also going to share my predictions for what I think is coming in the future. Please make sure you tune in. In the meantime, please be sure to go to the WW Radio Clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse to discuss this week's episode as well as your favorite memories or things that you've missed or enjoyed from the past 50 years. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details in which you see, hear, taste, or remember. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. This week's trivia contest is brought to you by you. And I mean that sincerely because as part of the WW Radio Nation, you literally can help bring every episode of WW Radio to life Every live broadcast from the parks, the contests, giveaways, they are all thanks to, by, for, and because of you. You can find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar a month and get cool exclusive rewards every month like scavenger hunts, trivia quests. We do group video calls. We have a private Facebook group, shirts, stickers, monthly care packages from the parks, and much, much more. And don't forget that a portion of your contribution goes to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. You can find out more and join the nation by going to www.radio.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So the last couple of shows, we talked about the most important moments in Star Wars history. So I wanted to give you a question that was somewhat Star Wars-related, Because when Disney was looking to build a motion simulator attraction in the Disney MGM Studios, Star Wars wasn't the first movie Disney thought of. And your question last week was to tell me what was the first movie that Disney considered, and I even give you a hint, that it's a personal guilty pleasure and favorite of mine. I want to first thank the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, and knew that the answer was the black hole. I'm not kidding. The 1979 live-action film, The Black Hole, and while not necessarily being a huge financial success in the box office, which is a bit of an understatement, that's why the plan for that being the subject of the, the simulator attraction was scrapped. But 1986, seven years after The Black Hole came out, 
Disney had started partnering with Lucas and Lucasfilm, and the idea of a motion-similar attraction came to be again, and of course, it made much more sense to partner it with Star Wars. Now, one thing that's interesting about the original black hole attraction concept was that this ride was going to have multiple different routes for the flight, kind of what we have now with Star Tours, The Adventures Continues, but unlike the current iteration of the attraction where there are multiple scenes and destinations, this one would have been interactive because like Horizons, guests would have actually helped determine which course the ship went on during the adventure. So there was a little bit, not just a, a sense of interactivity, but like Horizons and the books of the same name, it really was sort of a choose your own adventure. Who knows? what might eventually come with the technology in the future. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for a prize package that includes a WW Radio pin, keychain, and a mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Philip Ritz. So Philip, congratulations. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So as long as we are celebrating 50 years of Walt Disney World this week, and for the next 18 months, I have to go back to an opening day attraction. So tell me, what does Gomer keep on top of his piano in the Country Bear Jamboree? I know you've seen it before, possibly dozens, if not hundreds of times. Let's see how well you pay attention. What does Gomer keep on top of his piano in the Country Bear Jamboree? You have until Sunday, October 10th to go to www.radio.com Click on this week's podcast, use the form there. And this week, you're not going to just be playing for the pin, the keychain, the bonus mystery prize, but I'm also going to throw in a little 50th anniversary Walt Disney World celebratory prize as well. And speaking of Walt Disney World 50th anniversary prize packages, please make sure to stay tuned to my Instagram this week at Instagram.com slash for a special 50th anniversary Walt Disney World prize package that's not only going to include some things you could and could not get in the parks, but a very special item you can't buy in the parks and you never could. No trivia knowledge required, I promise you. Again, stay tuned to Instagram. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. And please make sure to stay tuned next week for part two. I'd love to hear from you, though. What do you remember or love and or miss from Walt Disney World's history? Please come be part of the community and conversation by joining the WW Radio Clubhouse. It is our fun, family-friendly, and of course, free and drama-free group over on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. I will post that question there. There's also some wonderful conversations that you could be a part of and start on your own. You can also connect with me elsewhere on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter. Also make sure you like and turn on notifications and see first on the WWO page on Facebook. This way you don't miss a thing, including live broadcasts every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, as well as live broadcasts throughout the week and the weekend from the parks, including this week, I'm going to be live from New York Comic Con, October 7th through the 14th. And I'm so excited for this on Thursday, October 14th. In addition to the Wednesday night show, I'm also going to be live from the very first return performance 
of one Yeehaw Bob at the River Roost Lounge at Port Orleans Riverside Resort. Again, Thursday, October 14th, this week from Comic-Con and every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. You can watch, chat, and be part of the conversation at www.radiolive.com. Also check out our spoiler support group on Facebook where you can talk about anything spoiler related from the Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and What If Universes at www.radio.com slash spoilers. Speaking of Marvel and getting together, not just online but in person, don't forget you can still be part of our Marvel Day at Sea group cruise on the Disney Magic February 5th through the 10th out of Miami as well as our cruise on the Disney Wish June 20th, a four-night inaugural or a four-night cruise on December 5th, a very merry time cruise on the Disney Wish. You can find out more about these other events by going to the events page at www.radio.com events. One other event I want to remind you, we're just about a month away from my Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World, November 13th and 14th. There are now only seven spots left for this two-day interactive workshop where I and other speakers will share practical and tactical strategies inspired by the Disney parks to help you turn what you love into what you do. We're going to share lessons, tools, resources, networking, and show you exactly how to apply them to your life and business and help you make real changes and move the needle right there in the room over the weekend. And there are also three spots left for the optional Monday Mastermind, which is limited to just 10 people. You can learn more by visiting lumangelo.com, click on the Momentum tab there, or find out how I can help you with either one-on-one mentoring, be part of our Tuesday Night Mastermind, or by coming to speak to your event, your conference, your business, or your school. And finally, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is if you like the show, please help spread the word. It is so very much appreciated and so very important. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over at Apple Podcasts. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Log Zero, who says, It's the best part of my day. Lou has grown my love for Disney into an obsession in the most respectful sense of the word. Every single episode is a deeply artful and informative way for me to relax. And he truly does bring the magic of Disney into my everyday life. Thank you, Lou, and keep it up. Wow, Meyer Log Zero, I really appreciate it. Thank you so very much. And if you enjoyed this week's episode or the podcast as a whole, again, just share a link to this episode, one of your favorites, or the podcast in general on social. And if you can, tag me at Lou Mangello so I make sure that I see it. Again, I sincerely, sincerely appreciate you listening your love, your friendship and support, and that the hope that the show has helped made your day a little bit brighter, a little bit better, maybe you a little bit happier, and it'll help you not only choose the good and find the good in everything that you see and do, but be the good and be a positive influence and impact on other people. I love you. I appreciate you so, so very much. If there's anything I could ever do to help you, please let me know. I hope to see you on the next live show, chat with you in the clubhouse, and of course, right here next week for part two. So until next time, see ya. Hi, Lou and WDW Radio family. It is Elizabeth from Massachusetts. Uh, just calling in. I just finished listening to show four. Oh my gosh, now I have my phone up and I can't tell. 419, question mark, about the top 10 uh, like tips to tell someone going to Disney World for the first time. And it was awesome. I'm actually super excited. I'm going with some friends for Labor Day weekend to enjoy food and wine. Um, And some of them were great reminders. My number one tip for anyone in their 20s and 30s, you know, that's going with friends or you're not with kids and you are somewhat on a budget, 
Um, I always buy gift cards before I go. So, like, if I know, for instance, I only want to spend $100 a day uh, going around the world eating, I will buy a gift card at, like, Walmart or Target so that then my money is sort of already allotted and then I can't go over necessarily. Um, and then something else is that I always will pack some snacks. I know that I'm going for food and wine, so I'm not really going to do that this time. <laughs> Uh, but when I'm going for a normal trip, I'll pack, like, granola bars or almonds or fruit snacks, you know, all that kid stuff to bring me into the spirit even more of acting like a child. Um, and, yeah, just eat them in between all the fun things. And that way I'm not, like, filling up on churros and Dole Whips the whole time. And actually sometimes I'll even split them with friends, which now is maybe not the most COVID-friendly thing to uh, give as advice. But before COVID, that's what me and friends would always do. Um, and it just kind of saved a few bucks, which was great. So I don't know if that helps anyone, but that's what I do or have done in the past, too. And I'm so excited to be in the world in just two more days. Hope everyone that has kids or is headed back to school teaching has a wonderful start to their school years. Um, I know it's going to be a little bit better every year, and it's not crazy all online. So that's a good sign. And I hope everyone, like I said, just has a good first day of school if it has already happened or if it's going to happen this week. Uh, stay magical, and I'll talk to you guys real soon. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Adam from Salt Lake City, Utah. First-time caller, long-time listener. I just finished listening to episode 651, the 10 most important moments in Star Wars history, part two. And, Lou, I've liked you for a long time, and... Like, my connection to you just strengthened after that episode because of you mentioning how you would spend a lot of time playing X-Wing and TIE Fighter and Dark Forces, and I'm with you there, brother. It was it was like that for me growing up, too. I'm a little younger than you, but I was still on those games a lot when I was growing up. And then I totally agree with the points you guys brought up about Star Wars being a lifestyle. I'm there with Ryan. I have a Darth Vader Chase debit card, and I get a lot of comments about it. And Star Wars just has been a big part of my life and episode because it just connected to me on so many different levels. And... I feel a little jealous because, like I said, I'm a little bit younger, and when I was born, Star Wars had already been out for a little while, and the original trilogy had already finished up by the time I was born, and so for me, Star Wars has just always been a constant part of my life, and the point when Darth Vader tells Luke that he is his father... I I never had that oh my gosh moment because I just that that whole trilogy for me had always just been a part of my life and I always knew that and I never questioned it but something else I wanted to share is that there are so many you guys brought up just tons and tons of important Star Wars moments but I have a very personal Star Wars moment that not important to like the overall Star Wars history, but it was super important to me because my son had cancer when he was three. He's now 12 and fully in remission and is fine. But 
in 2014, we were granted a Make-A-Wish trip to Disney World, and part of his wish was the ability to go and fight Darth Vader. And we were lucky enough to go back when there were Star Wars weekends, so we were there in May of 2014, and my son was trying to get into the Jedi training, and because they thought he was a Make-A-Wish kid, they made some extra room for him, and he was able to go up and fight Darth Vader on the platform. And that was such a cool moment for him. And also, something else that happened as he was fighting Darth Vader was the stormtroopers kind of came and, like, threatened the threatened, quote-unquote, him a little bit, and then the Jedi Master told him to use the Force on him, and my son was able to wave his hand and knock the Stormtroopers back, and it was just a really special trip and meant a lot for me because of how much I love Star Wars and just the extra little things that Disney and Make-A-Wish did for him to make that trip super special. But thanks for everything that you do, Lou. I appreciate the podcast and everything that you do for the community. And I'm hoping to meet you sooner rather than later. Have a good day. Bye. Oh, boy. That was some show, wasn't it, gang? (laughs) It was so much fun. Yeah. Talk about exciting. (laughs) Gosh, I can't think of a better way to honor Walt Disney. After all, he's the one who inspired 100 years of magic. Hmm, We sure hope you'll be part of the magic for years to come. 